0: audio podcast network hello it's me just trying to record a podcast about women's history please don't sue me i'm poor (laughs) <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh my God. Welcome to uh Whiny About History, the women's history podcast. We're two longtime besties. Talk about women from history you probably haven't heard of while indulging in a healthy dose of wine. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And we're finally back together we in the same time. And it feels, feels so good. good. Although we haven't touched.
1: <laughs> no. It's weird. We've I wanted been... to hug you when you got here, but I was like, that might be that might be too much.
0: I know. I we're so we're we're doing our best to stay safe. We're washing hands. Or, you know keeping distance we are in the same room and I'm definitely gonna be washing my hands a fuck ton after this right. but yeah we have not hugged we haven't touched and uh I think until and, things I mean there's super distance
1: down, between like we're yeah. across the table we're not like immediately next to each other yes
0: uh we're not holding hands throughout the whole podcast like we had talked about uh we're trying to be semi-responsible yeah, maybe next week
1: we'll wear gloves
0: I have to say like story time I have been Super depressed this week. This has been a very bad week for me. And I've been like crying on and off and oh. have really struggling with the mental health and some unfortunate ideations and things like that. Like I'm safe, but I've just had a really bad week. And I almost didn't come over today because I'm like, my body is exhausted from being just so miserable. Oh, yeah. You I know? Get that. Yeah. And, like, I, w- I was doing simple things and, like, getting out of breath. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Right, you're
1: so tired because your body's fighting itself, basically.
0: Right. And, but I was like, I don't want to be that asshole. I'm like, I need to get out of the house. This will probably be good for me. And I feel a million times better. Good. Like I it totally night and day and I'm like thank you God that I came over because this is probably the best thing I could have done for my mental health right now because right. it was bad. Plus
1: not coming over probably would have made you feel worse because then you would have felt guilty for like canceling on me on top of like everything else even it's though you know I probably would have been of
0: shame.
1: Right? <laughs> even though you know I would have been just fine you know I would have been like okay are you sure you know. Yeah
0: no and we, we have that, uh, I think I feel like we have a good relationship where, like, if you cancel or I cancel, it's like, we're not it's just like, oh, doing sucks, it because, you know, oh, i to put pants on today. It's like, man, have I to wash my cannot hair. fucking do this. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm feeling really a lot better now, oh, which is fantastic. Wine so Wine does help. No, guys, not, it doesn't. No, it if you're doesn't. depressed, don't probably do don't drink.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you're having a glass of wine with a friend and, like, talking about your issues... That's fine, but don't just like go and start chugging a bottle of wine.
0: Yeah, don't do what I was thinking about doing, but didn't do, because I was like, Emily, that's irresponsible. What are the listeners going to say? <laughs> it's all for you guys. Speaking oh. of that, what are we drinking today? So we are drinking a bottle that... Uh, we had to we had to talk about it for a minute. I bought This is pre-COVID. <laughs> I bought this forever ago when I was like at the wine store and I was like, "Oh my god, I need to buy some wine. I'm going to get some for the podcast be responsible." So this is uh Barefoot Moscato. It's green apple. And we tried the peach one quite a while ago yep. and I really enjoyed it. I think in it. the winter
1: and we were like, "Man, this is a good summer wine." And it was like you know snowy outside i
0: think that is one of the favorite wine pictures i've taken because like the snow was built up and so i set it in the snow yep. so it looks like it's standing up along with the glass like i remember it, that it was good uh, it was very pretty but uh da-da-da. this doesn't have a fun description on the back it just has the surgeon general's warning that says women should not drink alcohol during pregnancy L- seriously women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy i'm like "Mm, maybe just say pregnant people shouldn't drink alcohol right right?
1: (laughs) i think that's what they should say
0: yeah like someone could take that way out of context but uh it doesn't need a description because it's just green apple flavored moscato and that's all you fucking need to know barefoot has a whole line of these where it's the different uh flavors so we've done peach we've done apple who knows what we'll do next Ooh, maybe we'll stay do tuned find fireball out. flavored Moscato do they have that they know. should
1: <laughs> I don't know I remember we talked about that they have a grapefruit one and we were both like we
0: need to try that I tried oh shit was it grapefruit there was this really 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 cheap wine that I tried and it has like all the fun fruit yep. flavors I tried one that was fine it was yep. good I liked it and then I tried the grapefruit and it tasted like cat piss smells you yeah. So ammonia heavy. Still drank the whole goddamn bottle of though. You, you can't waste it. I spent money on that. I know it's not actually cat piss. <laughs> like
1: that's that's why I can't wait until Drew starts coming back over and I can like pawn things off on him. I miss that.
0: It is awful. So I've been drinking the the um yeah, now you know how
1: I feel when yeah. I, had, I had like eight bottles lined up and I'm like, I can't drink all this by myself. I
0: still haven't finished the first two bottles from when I got my box and started drinking at You'll home. you have to start
1: bringing it over here. It's
0: a problem. Yeah. Well, I did bring one bottle over because I thought it was still my wine. And it, I mean, it technically I mean, it was. Yeah,
1: you just pre-COVID <laughs> planned.
0: It was a wine from long, long ago when the earth was young and people weren't so fucking stupid. <laughs> right. And we could touch each other. We could hold each other in our
1: arms and say I love you. She's very singy today. I It's because I'm
0: in a weird mood. Like I'm, You're like borderline manic, but like in a good way, not like. I think it's because yeah. I'm going from one extreme to the next where I was like really depressed and I'm feeling a lot better and I'm starting to get really excited about feeling better. And so that's right. like building on itself until it's just. You know, uh, until
1: we get into our stories and then we're going to be depressed again. It's, it's going like to be fine. It's an avalanche of fine.
0: happiness into a, a crevice of sadness. Yeah. 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 Gonna be good. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh before we get s- well, okay, hold on. I'm skipping ahead. We introduced the wine. What are we cheersing to?
1: Uh,
0: Being reunited. I would say
1: really, we have to ask. All I'm right. going to cheers the this bottom is gonna of the glass. going to be a good
0: clink though. Yes. We've had We're not such using our clink. wine.
1: We're not using our rings, guys.
0: I'm so excited. Okay. Ready? This is going to Don't break the glass. This is going to hit differently.
1: I know. All right. Cheers. Oh, that was good. That was like a nice satisfying
0: That was good. That was like after you... Oh, that was very satisfying. I feel like cleansed, but also a little dirty, but in a good way. Yeah. I need need to go have a cigarette. No, I'm just (laughs) getting out smoke. I don't either. But man, a cigarette doesn't sound too bad right now. (laughs) Do you ever like... You don't want a cigarette. Like, I've never even like been a smoker. It's not like I smoked for many years and then quit. But you know when you see someone smoking in a movie when they're really stressed out and like it just looks... Like you want that feeling of right. like kind of the stress smoking. Right. I don't know. It's it, I don't want the cigarette. I just want the feeling I get right. watching a movie character stress smoke, <laughs> right? Or or the
1: like after sex cigarette where they just look completely calm. It looks
0: satisfying, doesn't it? That's
1: the thing. I've I've smoked. I would say socially, on yeah. and off. And I've never, like, had that. Like, I would say it, it doesn't, for me, it never seemed to reduce my anxiety. It never, yeah. you know, it was more just like, oh, yeah, I'm smoking, whatever.
0: Yeah. There was only one time in my life where I actually enjoyed a cigarette and I was pretty drunk
1: <laughs> and I was like smoking that, is better when you're drunk yeah I
0: was at that part of being drunk like I was hanging out with a bunch of friends at someone's house and we were dancing and partying and I think I was uh right and I, someone's I was like oh so you want a cigarette and you're like yeah I do I was so irresponsible because I was still on crutches from I think it was like my first hip surgery and so like when I say dancing I mean like bobbing my head while standing like on my crutches around, yeah yeah and uh someone else had a cigarette I was like yeah. give it to me I was like oh yeah Don't smoke though, it's garbage. Please don't. It's not good for you. It's not. It's never worth it. (laughs) See, we're going to hit you really weird today. Oh, smoking sounds so good, but don't do it.
1: Right. Be responsible like us.
0: Yeah. Just talk about it. Don't actually do it. it.
1: it.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I do have a say their name to turn this on a more positive light. So my say their name is Marguerite. Hi. And uh, that was a
1: little bit of a creepy hi.
0: Well, I just, hi. I love her illustration. I know. I love her art beautiful. so much. And so, like, whenever I approach someone, especially on Instagram, like, hey, I really enjoy what you're doing. Like, can we give you a shout out? I always feel really self conscious. Like, they're going to be like, fuck you. And we're not even asking for anything. We're just asking permission to no strings attached talk about right, how like, great we're you are. we're not
1: asking you for your art we're not asking you to like be on our show we're just like hey we really enjoy what we're what you're doing do you mind if we share that with other people exactly
0: or like hey where else can we direct people because we found you through instagram do you have a patreon do you have this that or the other thing and uh so I reached out to her and I was like either way like keep telling amazing stories keep doing your thing and she's like omg would be honored of course smiley face my name is marguerite because i just knew her from her instagram handle like she seems like such a sweet person and i'm like i must protect you from the world because you're precious and pure and everything is garbage isn't that that the the term is it what are the kids saying nowadays i think it's cinnamon roll but anyway, uh, so Marguerite is uh, of Magpie Illustrations, and she does beautiful illustrations that are of women from her story, from her family. She does commissions. Like, she has a family portrait yeah, on there. They're fucking beautiful. They're fucking phenomenal. And, like, I'm not trying to pigeonhole her, like, she only does women. That's just all I've seen right now. So, like, Marguerite, well, she you has do you. <laughs>
1: two different Instagrams, doesn't she? One where she does more of, like, illustrations.
0: Yep. So she has Magpie Illustrations, which you can find at Magpie pie dot illustration and then she has celestial t underscore official and that's like she does more experimental stuff because she is going to school for art in amsterdam in amsterdam god she's living her best fucking life Jesus, i
1: mean she might be from amsterdam
0: even better she didn't have to travel that far (laughs) she just got lucky Yeah. So she's graduating from art school in Amsterdam. And so Celestial Tea official is kind of like her more experimental, like what I think of her as her probably art school stuff. And that's also really cool. But we found her because she did a really beautiful illustration of Hanny Shaft, who was from our Seducing and Killing Nazis episode. So she was part of the Dutch resistance fighting the Nazis. And Tragically, she was discovered and she was brutally executed, yeah, and she's sad. a fucking goddess. But yeah, she and like Marguerite's art, she uses these like bright, bold colors, cool abstract shapes and patterns. Like the 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 picture of Hanny Shaft that she drew was clearly modeled off of a very you know a common photograph of Hanny yeah. Shaft. Like when you search Hanny Shaft, you see this photo. But like this was presented in such a new way. And she even, like, uh, she recently did a portrait of her grandmother, right. who was a badass in her own right. And according to the caption, her grandmother was one of the first female preachers in Holland and even created the first swim center for handicapped people. That's awesome. Like, and that's just someone in her family.
1: Right. She Yeah, it's not all, like... St- super historical women like she she covers everyone which is what we're aiming to do
0: yeah and so she's covering people that are very well known like Hanny Shaft. she recently did an illustration of Cyntoia Brown oh my god don't even get me started (laughs) but then like you know, she's doing women from her own family who are badasses, like everyday history heroes. Right, and, and, so, and like you said,
1: she does commissions. So. Yeah, she but does commissions. Check her out; she's amazing.
0: I super want like a portrait of us in Marguerite style because it yeah, is hanging on the wall. We should do that. We should talk to her about that. We at- Kelly, you set up our podcasting shelf, and it looks stunning. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. And we've got the uh, the tea towel of the women's suffrage poster. We've got stickers from other amazing podcasts. We've got the book from Kate Atwood up there. We've got my mic, which is not for decoration.
1: I'm she looking, thought it was. I was
0: looking right at my mic on the shelf. I'm like, where's my fucking mic? <laughs> we have our wine opener. I'll add
1: probably add a bottle of wine at some point. Our we've got a story. We've got a
0: card our from magic the Forest podcast. Up, oh,
1: yeah. Our magic box hangs out up there. Jeez. Why was sentence hard?
0: So an illustration from Marguerite would be the perfect addition. Right. And then uh, you can find Marguerite and her amazing artwork on Instagram at magpie.illustration. That's M-A-G-P-I-E dot illustration. And uh, at Celestial T underscore official. C-E-L-E-S-T-I-A-L-T-E-A underscore official. And that's where she does her more experimental stuff. She does commissions. Guys, check her out. She is Fucking amazing. She
1: is. And she she was she was really fun to talk to on Instagram too. She 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 seems like a very wonderful lady.
0: I don't want to like out her or anything, but I I was trying I was trying try to like cover my bases and I was like, Oh, by the way, what are your pronouns? And she sent this very long like reply, like, if this is what you mean, this is how I you know, bubble blah, blah. and she kinda like and she's like, I'm three and a half bottles in. Yeah, or, or like a bottle and a half or something like and I'm like Yeah it's probably a bottle and a half. Three girl, would be a lot. I respect the hell out of you right now. Been there, am there, love it. So Marguerite, right. cheers to you. Everyone check her out and we love you. It was one and a half. Okay. <laughs> That's like three and a I'm half. I'm pretty in sure Kelly's like three and, and a half
1: would put somebody under the table.
0: It would just be like a string of H's just right. repeating. Yeah. That would With be like funny. a bracket thrown One in. One of those there. that you
1: look at it the next day and you're like, the fuck.
0: I don't remember who these people are. That would be fun. She's going to hear the podcast and be like, I agree to what? <laughs>
1: yeah. Wait, what?
0: All right. Well, uh, There is one more thing that I wanted to bring up because it freaked me the hell out. So last week I covered Olga of Kiev.
1: I was like, oh, God, are you telling me the podcast is ending on air at the podcast?
0: Kelly. I hate you. And this is over now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Wait, no, you have to say it with me. Bye. <laughs> but uh, so I covered. Sound of shattering wine glass. <laughs> Jesus, that's just the rest of the podcast. It's an hour of us like shouting and throwing bottles and breaking things. Yeah, I'd listen great. to it. Right. It's ASMR. Be a bitch to edit. Do I keep that? Was
1: that was that a good enough shatter? Do I keep that in? I wish
0: we could have redone that because it didn't resonate the way I wanted it to. <laughs> but anyway, I covered Olga of Kiev, uh, who, if you remember, came up with a bunch of creative ways to murder people, including murder birds, and it was fiery uh, murder birds, fiery murder birds. And she was recommended by my friend Jory, and so I texted Jory. I was like, "Hey, by the way, I covered Olga. Check it out." And she texts me, and she goes, "Holy shit!" And I'm like. And, and like that was it. Right. And you're like, uh, what? I'm thinking immediately because I have low self esteem. I'm like, did I offend? Did I fuck up the story? Did I offend her or something? And then she sends me a picture or no, then she sends me a text where she's like, I was listening to the podcast and the part about the murder birds. And then this happened. End of text. I'm like, what like what happened <laughs> and she sends me a picture she was making breakfast and she was cracking eggs and she cracked three eggs in a row that were all double yolks bitches
1: while talking about while listening to murder about murder birds that's awesome
0: what are the statistics of getting three eggs in a row that are all double yolks i have no idea and Probably then you're low. listening to mur- murder birds olga of kiev was reaching through time it was like jory thank you for helping my story get shared Here's Double Yolks. I am the patron Times saint three. of bad bitches and balanced breakfast.
1: <laughs> Here's some extra protein.
0: Get it, girl. Build those muscles to smash the patriarchy. <laughs> but yeah. I, That's funny. I posted about it on all of our social media because it freaked me the fuck out. And I have to share it with everyone else who doesn't follow our social media. But you totes should. Right. If you listen to the podcast, follow our totes. Our totes media. <laughs> follow our
1: totes on social medias. You know, if if there are people that want them, I will make totes. Oh, my God. I don't know what they would say. Tell me what you want them to say, but I would
0: make totes. I had a moment where I was like, what the fuck is a tote? Oh, tote (laughs) bag.
1: What's a tote? Where is my mic?
0: Is that like toes? Like fun toes? Like, you know, toes with bling and little rings and gems on the nails? No. We're done. Send us pictures of your totes.
1: (laughs) Oh. You give you a picture of the bags and I would totally be okay with
0: that. Yeah, please do. All right. All right. You I are starting us off. I, Enough I know. of me and my egg yolks. Your weird toes. Anyways, sexy totes.
1: <laughs> so I am covering. Oh, God. I was telling Emily that I, like, practice this pronunciation over and over again, but now that I'm, like, half a bottle of wine in, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this pronunciation.
0: I think that's pronounced Jenny, honey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think that doesn't look like Jenny. No, I'm
0: covering Lori Paestua. Hopefully I don't. What? Super quick. Is she an indigenous woman? Yes. I have fucking heard this story. Not in detail, but I read about it on on Wikipedia. I'm just really proud of myself. Oh. Honestly, I'm just excited. It doesn't take much.
1: (laughs) Especially not, you know, during this time. I have
0: nothing. Right. Okay.
1: So Lori Paestua was born on the 14th of December 1981 in Tuba City, Arizona. So, you know, why not? Home of
0: the Tubas. Right. The
1: Fighting Tubas. She was born to Terry and Priscilla, also known as Percy, um, her father is a full-blooded Hopi Native American, while her mother is a uh, Mexican-American. Um, the family has a long-standing military history. Her father was in the Vietnam War. He was drafted and then, and then returned home, thankfully. And her grandfather actually served in the European theater of World War II. Holy shit. So, you know, there's family lineage of military service. Yeah. So she grew up on a Navajo Indian reservation, even though she's a Hopi Indian. Her Indian name, and I really apologize for how I'm going to pronounce this because I know it's not going to be right because I am a very white person, but I'm going to try. So it's Kocha Honmana, or what it
0: means white bear girl. Oh, that's so cute. I know. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, dismissive, but just white bear girl, like. Right. And I I love that. I imagine a polar bear with, like, a little Coke bottle in the Christmas commercials.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then Paetsua is derived from a Hopi term meaning water pooled on the desert by a hard rain. So it translates very loosely as the people who live by the water. Okay. So that's her last name, which is pretty. So
0: she's the little white bear girl who lives by the water. Yeah, basically. Like I love how her how uh, these native traditional names like they tell a fucking story, right? And I understand that there are some European names that you know, like uh, Mason. You're from some Masons, like right? Some like masonry there, people. There are, yeah, you ones know? that go
1: back far enough that you know they they represented something, but it's not as
0: common these days. Well, it's not as not as uh intricate of a story <laughs> right
1: um growing up Lori was very active she liked to play basketball softball she ran track she pitched for her varsity team all four years in high school and then growing up she also did rotc which i can never remember what that stands for it i should have but it's down.
0: like um Kind of an introductory series of classes for high school students, like where you where you get some basic military training.
1: It is Reserve Officers Training Corps. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually college based. I said high school, but it's college based. I think you can
0: take it in high school. But remember, we
1: had a bunch. We had ROTC students at. River Falls. Oh, absolutely. Um, But
0: I think they do offer some stuff in high school. But
1: it's training programs for commissioned officers in in the United States Armed Forces. So she did that for four years and was actually awarded top female athlete in her training court, in her class, which is cool. Damn. Her mom said, quote, she was an amazing child, very bright, and always loved life. She used to bring home animals, and she would say, oh, mom, can I keep this dog? It followed me home. While she was pulling it on a rope or a piece of string. Oh my
0: god! It reminds me of uh, Gail from Bob's Burgers, where she like talked. She's talking about how right. she rescued her cat. Like who's just sitting there sunning on someone's porch all alone? Really? Just just sitting there sunning? Yeah, yeah. So she like stole a cat off of like, somebody's porch. Yep. Yeah, saying she rescued it. It's like mom, the dog followed me home. It's so desperate, and the dog's like pulling on the leash. Like no,
1: that's funny. <laughs> um. So, yeah, in this case, the ROTC program was high school because she did want to go to college and that's why she joined the military because they, they offer, you know, collegiate collegiate aid. Yeah. Um, and her mom had said that as a parent, she felt her job was to encourage her her kids' decisions. So that's what she did. You know, yep. she was like, you know what? If this is what you want to do, I support you.
0: Good for her because that's hard.
1: Right. Especially going into the military mm-hmm. like, and as a woman. And as a woman of color. As I, was say, I was say, and as a Native American. Um so Lori joined the US Army in October of two thousand one. So this this is a fair we don't cover a lot of like two thousands women, so this is very recent. Excuse um, us
0: if we accidentally say eighteen oh one out of habit. <laughs> um so
1: she was a single mother as well at this time. She had been married, she had two kids, a son and a daughter. Um but her and her husband split up. So, that was the other reason she joined the army, to be able to care for her kids a little bit better. So, she's
0: already like a fucking hero. Right. So, um, so she
1: left her children in the care of her parents, obviously, because, you know, and she ended up on base in El Paso, Texas at Fort Bliss,
0: which like is a great name. name. Yeah. yeah. They're always named after like some random dude, but I mean, maybe I this like one is one, too, yeah. but I don't know, it's just Fort like bliss, follow your bliss. Right?
1: <laughs> um so she was part of the US Army Quartermaster Corps. Um she was considered a soldier and was part of the 507th Maintenance Company. So they they would like when active they would deliver supplies and you know stuff like that. It okay. wasn't it wasn't like frontline combat. It well it was supporting combat units. So okay. you still end up on the frontline. line.
0: Oh yeah, any position in the military you know puts you in a position where you can be where you're at risk regardless of whether right. you're in combat or not because sometimes the combat finds you exactly So as I said,
1: she was stationed at Fort Bliss um, and this is where she met Jessica Lynch now Jessica Lynch is a name that a lot of people know yeah because um she was rescued it'll it'll come up later but I'll just bring it up now um, she was a prisoner of war that got rescued brought home she survived and it was a a huge deal and she made um national headlines she's done tours she wrote a book i think she's actually writing a second book now jeez
0: i think i looked it up um her book is like i'm a soldier too
1: yep yep Yep. um i think she has a daughter now she's amazing but she's more well known um but if you want to like hear her story and not just bits and pieces of it because obviously she's wrapped up in this story as well Google her, you'll find plenty of stuff.
0: Read her book, maybe. Um,
1: (laughs) So before the two women met um, at Fort Bliss, no one expected them to work. Fellow soldiers had been alerting Jessica that she was about to get a tough roommate.
0: Oh, like they, okay, they weren't going to get along. Yeah. I thought it was that they weren't going to like participate and work as soldiers i'm like do you think they would have gotten this far if they were just gonna lay on their asses and do nothing
1: it was it was february 2002 so you know Lori had already been there for a little while um and the vacancy in her room just kind of coincided with jessica's arrival um jessica even said Quote When I first got there, everybody warned me. They said, Oh no, you got Lori. Everyone told me she was very hardcore. Oh, so shit. they're not even saying she's like a bad person, they're just saying she's very intense.
0: Yeah, you know, um, like mm-hmm. if you get along with her, great, but if you don't, it's gonna be right. bad.
1: Lori, so Jessica, when she started, um, when she got to Fort Bliss, she was only 19. Holy shit, Lori is 23, so she, she's a lot older. Yeah, um, and in a video I watched of her mom, like talking about her. She, she said that Lori often felt like she was like the mother of the group because so many of the other recruits were 19,
0: 18, you know, like young and she was 23. Well, and in that age range, it doesn't take a lot of years to feel like you have a sense of seniority or, right. you know, that you're a junior to someone. Exactly. Especially in the military. It's like, nope, nope, this is old hat to me now. I've been in for three years. This is your first, you know, you don't even know.
1: Right. So, at 23 even I mean, but i mean she was new to Lori. um she cut an imposing figure and she put forth a tough exterior but being tough isn't always the same thing as being uncaring like obviously we knew she was a caring person she would bring home strays yeah or
0: potentially she would non-strays. drag them home <laughs> um
1: like and she had kids so she like she always and she she was raised um something about the hopi nation is they they're very like helpful. Like that's how they're raised. And she was raised a mix of Catholic and Hopi, like, you know, as one, you know, it's a reservation that's going to happen. And so, you know, her mom and everyone else would describe her as like someone who is always willing to help, like help lend a helping hand, you know, help those who
0: are down and just like basically do whatever she could for other people. It sounds like she grew up with a really strong sense of community and everyone helping each other. And I bet the military was a really great environment for her because everyone has a part to play to contribute to a greater good. Well,
1: and what was interesting is I, I didn't include it in my notes, but I, I remember it as we're talking now, um, is the Hopi nation is more matriarchal than patriarchal. Oh. So like roles and land and stuff are passed down through the mother's side and the women in the Hopi nation are very much in leadership positions and like they're equal and like, eh. so she grew up like that way too. Like, you know, like being like, no, I can be in a leadership position. I can, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat too.
0: Yeah. But you know what? I thought the reason that women were subservient in society is because they're just naturally weaker and right? there's never been a matriarchal societies or cultures in our world. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> right. Um,
1: So despite their
0: cultural and
1: Personality differences. Jessica and Lori became very close. They actually, Jessica talks about how they became known as Lynch and Pie. Oh my
0: God, that's cute! Just cute. I yeah. want to listen to that podcast. Right?
1: I know. Um. So uh, Jessica said, "quote I was really excited to get a roommate, but I know Lori wasn't as excited at first because she had had this room to herself all all this time. But it wasn't long before we just clicked, and it was an instant chemistry.
0: Aww, so they're besties, right? Exactly. So start a podcast. That's how this ends, right?
1: Yes. No. <laughs> um. So for that first year that they were on base together, they became attached at the hip, on duty and off duty." Um, They would spend their times, you know, getting food, going to the mall, hanging out with um, Lori's kids and parents. Because, you know, I don't know the map of Texas very well, but apparently it's close enough that, like, Tuba, Arizona is drivable. Okay. Um, Her mom said, quote, every payday we drive to Fort Bliss to see Lori and Jessica. It was amazing how bonded her and Jessica were. Some little girl from West Virginia and some little girl from the reservation. It was amazing. That's so sweet. So that's a direct quote from the mom. I'm not trying to be like insensitive or anything. Yeah. So, um they so like as I said they served in the 507th maintenance company. So they were non-combative help for combat units and neither um in their whole thing would ever fire a shot. Which is also something that um Lori kind of grew up knowing and cuz the history of the Hopi is that um they're very non-confrontational. They're not violent. Like literally, if you look at their nation, like their history, sorry, if you look at their history as a nation, they've never been violent. From um, warring with neighboring tribes, they never did that. When um, the white man in you know basically invaded, they really weren't like they. they they're in arid Arizona. Like that's that's what like the people have said. That's not me saying that. So they never ended up like going to war with the white people that were moving into their area
0: because it was too hot and everyone's like, nope, nope, my hair is gonna frizz. Well, Fuck just the, na- <laughs> the
1: national government were just like, yeah, you, you, you don't have anything on your land like gold or oil that we want.
0: God. Basically, like I'm glad they didn't fuck with them, but how messed up is that? Right? Like, no, oh, we don't want anything you have, so fuck right. off. But it's but it's still really cool, like that.
1: If you go through, like they they've had a lot of problems with their Navajo neighbors because they you know they shared a lot of land, and you know that was kind of contentious. But they still did it with a, with like anything that happened was nonviolent. Like it's it's a really interesting history because. A lot of the tribes have violent histories of clashing with other others. Yeah, you know? I mean, and that's and they just don't. human so history. She grew up, Lori grew up, like, with this non-confrontation, non-violence thing. And she's in the militaries, but she's still, like, maintaining that her tribe's
0: lifestyle, which I think is amazing. You know what I like, too, is it, just from the way you're describing it, it kind of makes me think of, you know... She's being described as this very intense and imposing figure. Right. But also She's just highly non-violent. Right. And I I think it's important to mention that you don't have to be violent to be, like, strong or imposing exactly. or command respect or command a no. room. You know, you can still deal with conflicts in a non-violent way. Exactly. And, like, still be a fucking badass. Yeah. Um.
1: So... As I'm assuming most of our listeners are old enough, um, War Talks began in late 2002 around Thanksgiving, um, and uh, with four months later, her the 507th Maintenance Company was
0: deployed to Kuwait.
1: No war had been initiated yet, but they were being deployed,
0: and this is for Operation Iraqi Freedom.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yep. I believe. When they got the news, um, Lori's family did travel to Fort Bliss to send them off, and her parents are very glad that they did that. Like, there was a lot of, you know, because, like, um, I guess right before that was a big um, tribal dance that her dad was, like, hugely participating in, and to the point where her dad was like, you know what, I'm really tired, I don't know if I can make that drive, because they would have to go and get Lori's car and then drive separately home. Right. But... Her mom was like something in me, you know, was like, no, go see your daughter before she leaves. And so, you know, they brought her kids and they brought like another family member, like her sister, I think they said. And they drove out and they saw her and they, you know, they saw Jessica and they were able to be like, you know,
0: you're getting deployed.
1: Exactly. And so then, you know, they went back home. And Jessica said, quote, nervous is the best way to describe how we felt going to a foreign country. But I was also calm knowing that we were going through this together. And oh, that's, so so that's what she said about her and her
0: pie. Well, and that send off is a highly emotional experience because I don't care what your role is in the military. If you're right. being shipped overseas, there's always the chance that you may not come home. Right. And actually, Jared has pictures from when he was sent off. And there's this one picture of him and his grandmother. And he's got kind of like this, like, I won't say a flat smile, but like a closed mouth smile. And he's kind of got his head tilted. And you can see like his dad standing around the background and his eyes are misty because he's trying to keep it together. Because he yeah. was like 18 or 19. exactly. Like like, ninth, like you're a kid going off to a foreign country during wartime. Like I understand at this point it was not wartime, but still. Well, I
1: mean, by then you probably knew
0: it was I, going I to be. I feel like everyone knew where that was going. But yeah, I mean, it's hugely emotional. And right. so that's really wonderful imagine. that they were able to go and do that. Yeah. And and her see her, her off. mom
1: talks about when they went to see her off that they saw this soldier like standing apart from like the other group, this male soldier. And he was crying and he was all alone. And her, her, his mom asked, you know, like what what happened? And it, um, Lori t- tells her mom that, you know, his I can't remember if it was his wife or his girlfriend. Um, wh- whom he had just had a baby with, came to say goodbye, broke up with him and didn't bring <gasps> the baby. No. I know, and the mom oh talks my god. the mom talks about that she wonders like what happened to that soldier. Yeah. But like I have no idea, but I was just like, God, that would like imagine that you're going off to a foreign country and that's your send off. Oh,
0: and you have a baby with
1: this person. And yeah, and you didn't get to see them before you
0: left. Like Oh, oh. my god fucking and then he's just standing there by himself right crying. like exactly i'm gonna said. cry but you Fuck know like this
1: you could see like Lori knew like and yeah. she was and her mom said like you could tell that she was kind of distraught over it and like you know like wanted to help but didn't know how kind of a thing so that's the kind of person she was um so not long into their deployment um President George Bush at the time declared war with Iraq on March 20th, 2003. This is George Bush Jr. Yeah. Um so they were in Kuwait and they had to travel overland to Iraq. Okay. In a convoy. Okay. That's, Con- wh- that's where boy. we're at. So at the start of this mission, Lori and Jessica were in separate vehicles. Um however that would change as they went as as um Jessica said, "Quote, I was driving a 5-ton water buffalo." which is just a water tank attached to like to the back of a car. Yeah. And my transfer case busted. Um, Lori was the one that pulled up beside me and I jumped in her her vehicle instead. So that's where we're at. They drove for days, um about 20-ish vehicles or so, um together and uh, but uh, as things go, you know, they're traveling through the desert, the heavier like maintenance style vehicles kind of fell behind the lighter combat vehicles, so they almost kind of, they ended up getting separated from like the combat portion so like it wasn't just them by themselves but it was like you know they kind of split up into the convoy kind of ended up going in you know two different ones um Jessica said quote there's a lot of quotes from Jessica because she survived the incident she she survived and is able to tell the story right um so quote we we kept getting bogged down our vehicle just kept getting stuck in the sand we spent so much time digging ourselves out of sand pits and we kept getting left behind and the more that this happened, the further and further we were literally left in the desert. At this point, we couldn't see any, any of the sand flying up and we couldn't see any taillights.
0: Jesus. Like, and again,
1: they're not. it's not just them, but it's, you know, like part of the convoy basically kind of got stuck behind because they're the heavier vehicles and that right. doesn't travel well in sand. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So hours after they traveled for days, hours after crossing into the southern Iraq desert, um... The unit needed to set up a perimeter to rest. So what they would do is they would surround, like, because obviously they were in the war zone now, whereas probably in Kuwait, they could rest and it was fine. A um, so little less Here tense. Yeah. Here, um, they what they would do is kind of like old Western style, if you ever, like, actually read about the real Oregon Trail, where they would, like, circle, circle the wagons. Oh, yeah. So that's what they would do here is they, they would draw all the cars, the convoy into a circle. And then they all got cholera. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they got dysentery and died.
0: Uh no.
1: But I shouldn't make these dark jokes. Um but you know, so they what they would do is yeah, they would put the vehicles in the perimeter, set up their cots, and then take shifts kind of, you know, watching into the night. Okay. To make sure they were safe.
0: And by the way, we're not making fun of anything that's happening right now. Sometimes humor helps us cut the tension. Exactly. And I'm specifically talking about how I died on the Oregon Trail always, all the time. Fucking Ralph's. I swear to God,
1: 100%, every time I played the Oregon Trail, someone
0: died of dysentery. Every single time. I don't think anyone has actually ever won the Oregon Trail. I think that was the point. You're fucking lying. Because <laughs> no one has ever survived. That was the point. That was what the game was trying to teach you, that it was death. <laughs> it was death. Don't go west. Anyone who says they won is a liar, That's Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: okay. So in the pre-dawn hours of March 23rd, leadership made a crucial navigational error. No. They missed an exit which would have brought them from the highway they were on, which was Route Blue, to another highway, which was Route Jackson. And then they would have continued on to wherever they were going. That sounds like me. Yeah, right? Driving in- anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they ended up crossing the Euphrates River and entering the Iraqi city of Na- Nasiriyah. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. So I didn't I didn't see exactly how many people were in there, this section of the convoy. But in Lori's ca- Humvee, because she was driving, um, there were six people in the Humvee. So Lori and um, Jessica... Specialist Shoshana Johnson, um, two Marines, and their sergeant, Troy King. Okay. So the six people. Jessica said, we ended up driving through the city. We could, re- we could really see Iraqis were coming outside. They were hiding on rooftops. Some were even taking positions in ditches or behind vehicles. Oh, shit. We saw that they were carrying weapons, and that's the point that we knew we were in for trouble. Sensing sensing peril, ca- uh, their commander, Captain Troy King, made the decision to turn the convoy around and leave the city. That's probably a really right? good decision. Unfortunately, as they doubled back, the Iraqis started opening, fu- opening fire. Oh, no. They called it an ambush. I'm kind of up for debate on that word because it's not like, I mean, like, yes, the people in the city were obviously, like, attacking them, but at the same time, it, like, it, they didn't plan to like I was I was gonna I don't say, know It I, seems like ambush is kind place, of a weird time kind of a weird word I don't know if I agree with it but that's beside the point um so unfortunately um Lori's convoy was or Humvee was at the back of the convoy so it was su- particularly susceptible to this the the gunfire and like the violence they were facing um Jessica however says um Quote, she was great, actually. Honestly, I was not too worried. I had a peace, this calming feeling because I was with Lori. I knew that whatever we had to face, we were going to do it together. She drove us through flying bullets. At one point, I remember a bullet whizzing through the window, and she
0: remained under
1: control. Oh,
0: my God. So she was very calm. Like She's just like, I need to get out of here, and I'm going to do it. I'm just right. going to do it. Yeah, exactly. no she's like sense and panicking. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to get my, you know. I wish I could um, have that rational of a brain in a moment of crisis because right, even a moment don't. that no one else would consider crisis, but I feel as a crisis, I am a disaster. Right. So
1: as Lori drove, obviously the soldiers in the vehicle were attempting to return fire. Unfortunately. They they found a lot of their uh, firearms ma- uh, malfunctioning, like a lot of jamming and stuff, which was actually really common in the Iraq War because they weren't used to the sand that can get near weapons. Oh, I'm not my saying that's God. what actually happened in this, but I've heard other stories about it, it's that. It's not an
0: uncommon thing. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm hearing this, and I'm like, what a like series of unfortunate events, right. that are It really is. Here, but so, to hear that that was a common thing, right? So you know, unfortunately. They had no way
1: of really defending themselves. They just had to run. Yep. And unfortunately, the escape that they were attempting to do was, re- um, was you know, brought down by a rocket-propelled grenade, which struck their Humvee on the right side. Oh, shit! And sent it careening into the back of an 18-wheeler. Lori's head hit the steering wheel um, hard enough to c- cause severe head injury. The sergeant and the two marines died on the spot.
0: Oh, my
1: God. Um, and... Jessica Johnson, who was the other soldier in the vehicle, and Lori were all taken to the hospital um, in town. Um, all told, nine US soldiers died in the ambush. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how many were there because it never actually like told me like there were this many cars and this many people. I probably could have looked a little more into it, but I was really focusing
0: on like this is Lori's, Lori's piece of the story. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a story that she shares with multiple people who were there, so.
1: So, unfortunately, um, being taken to the hospital, Lori did end up dying from her injuries. Oh, my God. Um, and the other, and Jessica and Johnson were just taken as prisoners of war.
0: So. So, so they were taken by the Iraqis to a local hospital. Yep. And the survivors became POWs. Okay. Um, I was like, but oh, thank God they made it to the hospital, though. And right. I completely blanked why Jessica Lynch
1: is so fucking famous. Right. <laughs> um, so Percy, Lori's mother, um, was in Flagstaff at her sister's house watching the news when she saw the news of a military unit ambushed in Iraq. No. Later that evening, a man from the military came to her house and informed her that her daughter was missing. No. A few days later, on April 1st, 2003, the Special Forces rescued Jessica Lynch from the hospital. Um... However, Lori was not found. She was then declared missing in action. And the special forces went on as they, like, finished clearing the compound and stuff. They de- discovered a mass, shallow grave behind the hospital. Oh. And one of the bodies was positively identified as Lori.
0: I'm really glad they found her, though. Right. Like, um, like you're telling this, and I'm just like, please tell me they found her. Right. Um,
1: what was interesting is a video of some of the American prisoners including lori um was shown after like they were released was there was this video shown around the world on the al jazeera television like so it was filmed before lori died and according to jessica lynch's book the one i'm a soldier to the jessica lynch story um she thinks that lori may have survived if they were in a u.s military hospital because um As I said, she was wounded in the head from the blast. She hit her head on the steering wheel. And unfortunately, because, you know, it was an Iraqi civilian hospital and wartime, so they had like intermittent electrical power and stuff like that. They just didn't have the tools necessary to perform...
0: You know, neurosurgery, basically, or to treat her for whatever was going on, because obviously right. she was suffering from a severe head injury, and that can cause exactly. I mean, that could be a billion different horrible things. Yeah,
1: and so Jessica feels that you know, in a, in a U.S. military hospital that had you know reliable power and neurosurgeons, you know, that maybe not a hundred percent, but you know, she would have had a better she would have had shot. a better chance. Exactly. So when Jessica was um rescued. Obviously, she's, she was hailed as a hero. She got national attention. However, she's always been very quick to defer that the honor should go to Lori. Oh, Jessica. I know. I read that and I was like, <laughs> Jessica has, you know, honored her best friend in the way that she can, maintaining a strong relationship with um both of Lori's children and her mother jessica went on to talk to ty pennington who is the host of extreme makeover which isn't a thing anymore and really i haven't heard his name in years but was this was say. in like 2005 <laughs> because she knew yeah. that Lori wanted to build her you know they lived in a trailer park they, she wanted to build her family a home that was like one of the things she wanted to do after she got out of the military yeah. so um jessica talked to ty pennington who like Built houses, basically, and um, the home that Lori had always wanted for her family was built in Flagstaff Aww. in 2005, which is
0: amazing. I hope that was a good situation, because it was an extreme makeover, like, didn't leave people with houses that they could no longer afford. Or something. sometimes, yeah. I really hope that this herstory headcanon, everything is fine. Right. <laughs> um, It's sane. Nearly
1: two decades later, Percy, Lori's mom, continues to honor her daughter's legacy, um, she hosts a memorial dinner for families of fallen soldiers on March twenty second, and then leads uh, a hike up Piestua Peak the following day. We'll get to that later. Um, or no, we'll get to it now. I thought. Well, I have it in the my. um, Oh my god, I can't think of what it's called now. Your notes? Nope. My. Well, yeah, I have it in my notes, <laughs> but I have it in my legacy section. That's oh, what I was okay. Trying to think of. Um. So Piestua Peak was renamed in Lori's honor shortly after her death. It's in Arizona. It used to be called Shaw Peak, I think, or Squaw Peak. That's in my notes later. We'll get to it. Don't um, worry. So one of the reasons that this was such a big deal, besides the whole Jessica Lynch thing, was that supposedly that uh, Lori is- was the first um, American military woman to be killed in, in the Iraq War. Wow. I was going to say they like just got there. Right. As well as she she is believed so this might not be 100% true, but she she is believed to be the first Native American woman killed in combat, period. I think they mean as a nation. I, I don't think they mean like as like when the Native Americans fought the settlers or anything like that. I think oh, no, they mean yeah, like as, a part as an established, military. yeah. That seems
0: If that's true... I mean- Wow, we got like Jesus because i'm I'm thinking I was like, well, her her family was previously in the military, but they were all men, and women's roles exactly. in mili- in the so, military yeah. were I mean, that's why I said, supposedly, yeah, I mean only seven women died in the Vietnam War, yeah, it's insane,
1: so the Hopi tribal chairs, chairman said in in a newspaper article, quote, "She will be remembered as a daughter, as a proud mother of two as a and a, as a good friend, able to comfort others in distress." Legacy, posthumously, she was awarded the Purple Heart, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Prisoner of War Medal, and then she was also promoted from private first class to specialist, which was nice. As I said, uh, Jessica Lynch re- like repeatedly honors uh, Lori. She named her daughter Dakota Ann in fo- in honor of Lori. Um and she she tends she attends memorials and like all sorts of stuff. And she's she's a speaker too. Um and she often talks about her. Um as I mentioned, Arizona's government renamed Squaw Peak in the Phoenix Mountains, Piestua Peak, uh in April of two thousand eight. There's a freeway that also passes by the mountain that was also renamed for her. Aww. There is a there used to have um like a a national God, I don't want to mess this up because it's going to sound really offensive if I do. <laughs> um, so, there used to be something called the Native American Games. They still have it, but it is now named the La Lori Paestua National Native American Games. Oh, and so, and that's like all nations around the U.S. get together and they compete in sports. It's kind of like their own version of the Olympics. And yeah. Like, you know, Lori was super into that stuff and she, she was, was very, very athletic, athletic, you know, so I I think that's like a really great way to honor her. You know, like, I really like that. Um, there's a plaque bearing her name at the White Sands Missile Range and um, which is in New Mexico and at Fort Bliss, Texas. Good. Her death led to a very rare prayer gathering between the members of the Hopi and the Navajo tribes which have been, like, I told you, they kind of have a very contentious relationship. And, yeah, in, this, in the video, which will be on our blog if anyone wants to watch it, I'll link it there, of her mom talking because it's like a National Geographic or a History Channel thing. Yeah, she talks about how, like, at this prayer vigil right after Lori died at, at this memorial, yeah, that it was the Navajo people, the, the Hopi people, the military. Like, it was just all, like, bringing this, na- like, the nation and the the Native American peoples together. It
0: was really moving, Got her poor mother to like see something on the news and just to be left. Oh, God, is it my daughter? Right. And like that, that's not even like, like you hear stories of, um, someone dying and they like in a horrible accident or a murder and the family hears about it on the news or from like some shitty reporter right before they're informed by the police and it's just like super sad and tragic like it's not even the military's well, fault that's, like that's they why, yeah, can exactly. only get there so fast and figure out what's going on and actually when Jared was overseas there were some things that his family saw in the news and Emily were like is he what, there yeah, like what is it, he okay because
1: yeah. you just have to wait and be know. stressed yeah. out exactly um and um so her family also built a new veterans center on the on the reservation they live on Aww. to like assist with things. And yeah, her her mom is very much into like helping veterans and like families of people that haven't made it and like all of this stuff and it's it's really beautiful. Doing like the Lord's work, man, right? And so I thought that in in honor of Memorial Day, you know, covering someone that didn't make it home which is what memorial day is all about you know was highly appropriate and i i found her i found Lori, and she just it just kind of spoke to me and i was like you know we don't do a lot of recent women and i've never heard of her i've heard of jessica lynch but i've never heard of like Lori, and i you know i i want to help spread that story
0: you know, what's really funny is I've read Lori's Wikipedia page. Oh, really? It is very short. It is. And I so I'm really glad you covered her because you went way more in depth than I knew. And I didn't even like, I couldn't even fully recall her name. Right. Like you, you, you started talking about it. And I'm thinking, I was like, oh, is she Is she like uh, an indigenous woman? Yes, I, I've read this. But yes, yeah, her story is not very well known. It's not. Well, no, and I remember much?
1: I remember I think in her Wikipedia because I you know I that's always the first like result so I always just yeah. like per, peruse <laughs> guys the we Wikipedia. read Wikipedia we're not
0: trying we're not pretentious
1: no. we're not trying to pretend um. <laughs> although I think all my sources that I actually like use stuff from like I don't Wikipedia was not one of them because it was so short
0: and it like mm-hmm. it
1: you know it it kind of focused on Jessica which isn't a bad thing well Jessica's was the, the one survivor telling
0: the story exactly and good on her for being like guys this isn't all about like Lori was there, too. This is what happened her. Yeah. And, and her being able to share that story because otherwise, you know, we cover women so many times that, one, their stories are not told. Or they're just by themselves and no one knows the story. Or it's just, and shrug, we don't know yeah, what right. happened after that. It, You know, we can infer, we can guess, but. And I do like that Jessica is, like, keeping
1: Lori's, you know, memory alive. Like, who's her
0: best friend. I
1: know, but, like, she even, like calls you know she talks to her kids and shares short stories with her mom there's so often that you'll see like something like this happen and people don't want to relive those memories not that that's bad yeah fair not that that's bad you know and you know or you know that they'll get like famous and then like kind of forget where they came from you Mm -hmm. know like and so it's it's just really nice to hear that you know she stays in contact with Lori's mom and kids and you know she shares the memory of her just like I wanted to do
0: that's so sweet. By the way, we did not mention this at the beginning, but the you know it obviously is Memorial Day, and this is our Memorial Day episode. So I hope you have plenty of wine because and tissues. It's going to be kind of a a sad one. This yeah. this started out very energetic, and right. now we're just both sad.
1: <laughs> we are, but you know so that's what story- Memorial Day is about: is remembering the people that didn't make it home.
0: Exactly, exactly. And um, my story is. It's emotional. It's not as sad, but like I was bitch crying while doing the research. We know where it's going to end. The <laughs> depression may have contributed to that a bit, but the I I this story was made to be shared today on this podcast. All right. Like, let's do it. Ah, oh, it's amazing. So, today I am going to cover the Arlington Ladies. Oh. So you know how much I love a good ensemble. Yeah, you like, do. I love That's just like your thing. swarms of ladies all doing cool things together, like going to medical school and flying planes and uh, striking banks. All right. So quick shout out to a tour of her own for introducing me to the Arlington ladies because they did a post about them. And I was like, the what now? (laughs) So a tour of her own offers women's history tours in Washington, D.C., helping visitors get to know the women who made this country what it is and to better understand American history from a historical perspective. I cannot
1: wait till we're able to go out there and take the tour
0: we have been talking about like okay we're gonna go on a trip we're gonna go to dc and we're gonna do a tour of her own right like
1: that's, I, like our fir- that's gonna be our first like story thing we do
0: so i they posted a picture it was an old vintage picture of a policeman who was like measuring the hem of a woman's swim skirt to make sure that was appropriate and i commented as our podcast and i was like uh the hem division was eventually disbanded, you know. But fortunately, you know, people just shout obscenities at women who they feel are not wearing appropriate clothing. And it got like four likes, guys. So we're going to go on the tour and maybe, like, hey, remember that comment on that one picture? Oh, that, yeah, was yeah. Us. that was we're us. We're on your tour. <laughs> you remember. You? They commented that they yeah. thought it was funny. So just saying, that was us, guys. <laughs> so. We desperately want to take this tour. And you can find more information about them at www.atourofherown.com. dot a tour of her own dot com and got I love a good Virginia Woolf reference. Yeah. Always. So now on to the Arlington ladies. Picture it. DC nineteen forty eight. You're watching Golden Girls. No, they're not on yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh so uh Hoyt Vandenberg, the chief of staff of the United States Air Force, and his wife, Gladys Vandenberg, are taking a stroll around Arlington Cemetery, which may sound weird, but cemeteries are like really beautiful places to take walks.
1: Well, especially Arlington. Oh,
0: God. I I mean, that's like a historical tourist hotspot. Yeah. So I actually, I saw my Facebook uh, memories. My friend and I... Like eleven years ago today, got locked into the local cemetery oh, yeah. in town, and had I think to, about like, that every time I go by that cemetery. Yeah, at least I know I can hop that spiky ass fence. My friend couldn't get over though, and I like got on the ground. And I'm like, step on my back. She's like, no, I'll crush you. I'm like, this is no time for your body issues. Get on my back. It is night. We are in the cemetery. We need to get the fuck out. So I yeah. mean, they were probably having a much more lovely time yeah, than my no, friend and strolling. I were. Rolling. You didn't
1: get locked into a cemetery.
0: Which was a total accident. We weren't trying to be shady. We just did not realize what sundown meant. Anyway, so they're taking a walk around Arlington Cemetery, and they come upon a funeral and notice it's kind of sparse, very minimalistic. There's no family or friends present, just the service members conducting the ceremony. Gladys found this profoundly sad because she's a normal fucking person. That's awful. Right, like... Like a, sad. Imagine someone you love, and then just imagine no one being at their funeral. There's yeah, just, just like sad. Some dude saying some nice words. Like even that. Even it. the
1: person I hate. I'm like I would never. That's sad.
0: Uh, <laughs> I have some people Shut in up, my Emily. life. I wouldn't it's be too <laughs> sad. <laughs> You're right. It's sad. Ooh. Even my computer thinks it's that was sad. My computer, Your computer thinks it's sad. <laughs>
1: computer's like, you're not connected to OneDrive. I'm like, yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So no service member should be buried alone without anyone to properly mourn or honor them. So Gladys decided to do something about it. She got members of the Officer's Wives Club together for the purpose of attending all Air Force funerals. What what about the other ones?
1: Well, I suppose that's what she was... We'll
0: get there. Okay. Like <laughs> Let a... me craft a narrative. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. But her husband is the chief of staff yeah, exactly. at the Air Force. So, so they're like, that's what, just, they,
1: that's what That was their thing. Yeah. The and it's Force.
0: just her and the other officers' wives. And like, right. I don't know how many women that is. I can't imagine it's like a fuck ton. Seven. It's like enough Seven. women. Seven. It's like enough women for a respectable book club. Right. Or sewing circle. Seven. I don't know why. Seven's my favorite number, so we'll go with seven. One woman for each day of the week. there you go. So the women volunteered their time attending all Air Force funerals in Arlington Cemetery to ensure no one was buried alone. And thus, the Arlington Ladies were born, and the idea caught on. In 1972, Julia Abrams, wife of Army Chief of Staff General Crichton Abrams, founded the Army's version of the group. In 1985, the Navy followed suit. The Coast Guard in 2006, and the Marine Corps in 2016. I couldn't believe it was that recent. Come on,
1: Marines!
0: <laughs> like, jeez. Like, and here's the thing: this is just like a volunteer thing. Like, this isn't sanctioned I know, by the but military. Still, like, I, I don't know. I'm that like, took a while. Yeah, even the 2006, I was like, guys, everyone else is already doing it. Like, fucking get on. Right. Anyway. Now, the title Arlington Ladies is a bit inaccurate. There are men who attend the funerals as well. I think uh, Arling- what they call Arlington gentlemen are much more rare. So the group as a whole is typically referred to as the Arlington Ladies. Um, originally, the mourners showed up by themselves, but eventually the men from the Army's 3rd Infantry Regiment began joining them, acting as escorts. Aww. So they're like, they're not... Technically a part of the Arlington ladies. This is like part of their military service. Yeah. Um, But they're escorting the women to the funerals. And like I this is meant to make the whole thing feel a lot more uh, official and like a real part of the ceremony. Not that it's not real. A more official, formal part of the ceremony. It's almost like the military
1: acknowledging it.
0: Exactly. You know? I mean,
1: obviously, there were military acknowledging it anyways, because I'm pretty sure you get full honors if you're buried in Arlington. Because it's like they talked about, like, the
0: servicemen were there. So, like, obviously, there were people there. It's not, you know. But they're just the people who are conducting. I mean, no one is buried alone because someone has to actually bury you but it's just the people who are like running the show exactly you know uh but also it seems like a lot of the arlington ladies are elderly women so like having a, a nice young man to escort them especially like when the ground gets soft and tricky like it's nice it's just it's a polite thing to do i don't right. think it's meant to be sexist or like no, you can't you know, do this it's keep, just
1: keep them a little safer if they're older women you yeah know? and they
0: travel with them to the different services yeah, it's just that's like nice it's just like, Like, don't go anywhere alone. It's like women all go to the bathroom alone. Like, just don't do it. Travel in packs, guys. (laughs) Except right now. Six feet apart. Six feet apart, groups of 10 or fewer. Anyway. So what are the duties of the Arlington ladies? I know you are asking, dear listener and dear Kelly. Well, first and foremost, attending funerals at Arlington National Cemetery. Obvi. Obvi. This is no small task, as Arlington sees upwards of 100 funerals per week. Yeah, that's insane. Monday through Friday, I think so rarely they have them on the weekends. but So, I mean, at least you get, like, weekends off. Uh, Apparently, there's a monthly schedule, and two volunteers are assigned for each day. So it's like each Arlington woman only has to volunteer one day per month, which I'm like... That's actually a, that's
1: a sizable group.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, that means that there's at least 30 people.
0: And uh, obviously it depends on. Actually, no, that means there's
1: at least 60 people if there's two per day.
0: Well, and obviously the group has grown. And you know, there are different divisions of the military dealing with different funerals and things like that. Uh, So the day before the ladies learn how many funerals they'll be attending and for whom. They may attend 20 plus funerals in one day. Wow. So, like, they may be only volunteering one day a month, but, like, to emotionally recover from 20 funerals would take me a month. Oh, my God. Uh, So they also extend sympathies and condolence cards from the branch's chief of staff and the Arlington ladies themselves. So they're like, OK, here's all the stuff from the military. And here's something from us. Like, we're so sorry for your loss. Uh, so they give these to the grieving families. And basically, they act as representatives of the military family as a whole. So they're there to say the military so is nowadays, feeling this loss with you. Yeah, so
1: nowadays, it's much more official.
0: Yeah. And I mean, th- these women aren't like sure showing up and but... they're not skirting security, like running to and from funerals. They're very much accepted as a part of the, the thing now. But they are all volunteers.
1: I would do that if I lived in D.C.
0: I'll actually get into that and why maybe we wouldn't, okay, <laughs> or couldn't. Well, I mean, yeah, either or I, both.
1: I probably couldn't because I don't have any military, like connection. Like my family, I think I had an uncle that served in one of the wars, but you know, like my spouse isn't in the military, my father isn't in the military, so I probably wouldn't qualify.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get into the the requirements. Um, In an NBC News video, Paula McKinley of the U.S. Navy Arlington Ladies said of being present for families, quote, I am presenting to them any comfort I possibly can, and they have two extra ears, two shoulders to lean on, two hands to hold at one of the most difficult times in their life. God damn it. (laughs) Sorry, I have wine left. Guys, I'm going to try really hard to keep this shit together, but uh, it's going to be hard. So during funeral services, the Arlington ladies do not draw focus. They stand silently and quietly to mourn the dead. So they have their moment where they, you know, Give meet the grieving the families. Family, and then they just stand up. Th- and yeah, then they're they're just present because the whole point is to make sure no one is buried alone. And obviously, they attend funerals where even family and friends are present, but they are always there, regard- irregardless. Regard- I know irregardless is not a word and that it became a word. Regardless of the situation, they are always there. So, Kelly, you want to become an Arlington lady. I like that you knew that I was going to say that. Like, you know me well enough that it's in your notes. I I just put it in a little too late, apparently. Like, your interest was already peaked. Well, not just anyone can join. You have to fit a set of criteria. Let's see if I fit any of the setup criteria. <laughs> so it used to be that only military wives could join, but that has been expanded to relations of military members. But they're typically wives or daughters. See, so see, now I covered that base. You did. No, you fucking knew. Uh, you also have to be recommended by an existing member. So you have to like be friends with right. one of the Arlington ladies. But see, ladies like, if I lived
1: and- in DC, maybe I could have been
0: exactly. Yeah, you know, you you go to the pub and you see some old ladies who are like getting a little rowdy. You're like, hey, ladies, let me buy you a drink. And they're like, hey, you want to attend a fuck ton of funerals? Yeah. (laughs) Even if you could become an Arlington lady, uh, not everyone is cut out for the emotional toll it takes. Oh, yeah, that would be a lot. Nancy Reed of the U.S. Air Force Arlington Lady said in that same NBC video, quote, they self-eliminate. They hear the rifle volleys. That's one of the toughest things. You hear the rifle volley and then you hear taps. End quote. Just
1: over and over. Well, it's just a
0: very emotional experience. Yeah, but think about that.
1: You, like, 20
0: and you do times it o- in one day. Yeah. Uh, so the experience is so intense, it brings people to tears. And then, like, I don't think they have an issue with having to kick people out. I think people are just like, are just like I, you can't know I can't handle do this. this. Yeah. I don't think I could. Like, it's safe to say we're not going to join any soon for a variety of reasons because we're obviously not in D.C. We're not married to military members. Uh, I couldn't fucking handle it. Like, I cry at funerals for people I didn't even know because the emotions are just so strong. And just just seeing the end of a life and have it honored. It's just it's too much.
1: I wonder if we have anything similar to that because we have like that mini we have like a mini Arlington up by the airport.
0: Oh. See, I I thought you were talking about Soldiers Field Veterans Memorial. No. There's
1: like a mini. Hold on. I'll I'll Google it. So it's the Fort Snelling National Cemetery. Okay. But it you know, you know how like Arlington is known for their like white memorial stones? Yeah. Yeah, they it has the same thing, which is why I called it um a mini
0: a mini <laughs> a mini Arlington. A mini Arlington. You know, Arlington is actually the second largest national cemetery. I don't remember where the other one is because I didn't include it in my research, but I started reading a lot about Arlington Cemetery and it is fascinating. Like, I've been there, but I don't, I mean, that was when I was in like eighth grade. Yeah. You know, and I don't remember a lot of the history from that visit. I just remember being profoundly sad. Right.
1: And I don't think, I guess I don't know, I don't think it's only military. Oh, no, it does say administered by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs. Hmm. Who
0: also run Arlington.
1: The VA runs Arlington. So, yeah, I don't don't know if... That would be interesting.
0: See, when you said the airport, I thought you meant the airport in town. I was like, Fort Snelling isn't in... What the fuck are you talking... Where are we right now? (laughs) I I do want to say
1: that uh, because Memorial Day is coming. This is the interesting tidbit on the Wikipedia for the Fort Snelling one. Um, So they used to have a tradition of placing a flag on every grave on Memorial Day... Um, but as the cemetery grew, they, they were forced to stop because, uh, as of 2017, there's over 225,000 graves in, in our little one. I was going to say,
0: take that and just expound it. Oh yeah. Like infinitely. And you've got our, so they
1: stopped. But then in 2007, a nonprofit called flags for Fort Snelling revived the tradition, um, and so now they have volunteers that go
0: and place flags for Memorial Day. Oh my god! On every grade, that's so sweet. See that I could probably do. Yeah, I I think they just need bodies, right? Like people at that point. But yeah, so we we have like a little mini. See, and while I was doing this research, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if there are other places that have their own version of. But yeah, so what I'm to wondering. I'm like, funerals. I wonder if we if they have something like that. That'd be cool. Uh, The longest serving Arlington lady is Barbara Benson, having served for 33 years. Wow, That's as of 2008. So I found that in a 2008 article. So it's already way outdated. I don't know. It depends on if she's still around. Well, I was going to say, I have no idea where Barbara Benson went or what she did after 2008. But at the time, she had served for at least 33 years. Barbara served as a flight nurse after World War II and was married to Colonel George Benson, who, uh, as of 2008, had already passed away. As a member of the military and the wife of an officer, Barbara feels a personal connection with the wives burying their husbands. Makes sense. She was quoted in uh, that 2008 article from ArlingtonCemetery.net saying, quote, I always try to add something personal, especially for the much older women. I always ask how long they were married. They like to tell you they were married 50 or 60 years. Because when you've been married that long, like, that's that's something you share with everyone. Exactly. Hi there. I've been married for 60 fucking years. <laughs> Some confuse the Arlington ladies with professional mourners. Which is a real thing, and I get into that just a touch. So uh, Arlington Lady Chairwoman Margaret Mensch refutes this idea. Quote, we've been accused of being professional mourners, but that isn't true. I fight that perception all the time. What we're doing is paying homage to soldiers who have given their lives for our country. So in case anyone's really confused, professional mourners are people you hire to fill out the numbers as at a funeral. They're usually like actors. Uh, often the deceased will have arranged this beforehand to make it look like they were beloved by many. So like how insecure wow. do you have to be to hire fake mourners? Like, are you really that worried no one that no one's gonna show up? So professional mourners are supposed to like blend in and pretend that they know the deceased and like they, they don't want to draw focus. You're not like giving the speech. Or anything because you don't know this person. You're just there to fill right. out the numbers. Whereas
1: Arlington ladies are there to support the family and just make sure no one does. You know, no one's buried alone.
0: Exactly. And I I wrote here the Arlington ladies are very clear about who they are and what they're doing. Their job isn't to make someone look popular. It's to comfort families, represent the military family as a whole, and ensure no one is buried alone. So. Understandably, these services can be very emotional, even for those who have no personal attachments to the individuals. One Arlington lady recalled attending a particularly difficult service, quote, in September, I was the only person at the funeral of a World War II soldier whose remains had just been found. He was 22.
1: See, those that would be the ones I would have problem, like the ones, you know, the bodies that come home and they're 18, 19, you know, or... I mean, okay, see, like, World War II, that kind of makes make sense to me why I was alone. Like, I'm guessing a lot of the people were, you know, he probably didn't have any, like, family left, possibly.
0: Well, in, in that NBC video, uh, some of the women being interviewed made comments about, oh, oh, well, we got through World War II and now we're into Vietnam. So it kind of seems like there may be a bit of a, a backlog on the burials, like they're working their way through the conflicts. I don't... That and- or it might just be aging, yeah. Yeah, you know, I like I absolutely the generation
1: that was in World War II ha- is died, or has yeah. died off and now they're into the Vietnam veterans. Yeah. And
0: so it's hard it's yeah, it's hard to know. It's sad. Eleanor Rydell uh was chairman of the Air Force lays during the Vietnam War and recalled, oh. quote most of the funerals were for young men. I saw little boys running little airplanes over their father's coffins. Oh, it is a gripping thing, and it makes you realize the awful sacrifices people made. Not only those who died, but those left behind. Oh, yeah. And that's a popular uh, saying in the military, you know, when you serve, the family serves. Yep. So this is where we all pause to totally not cry and take some sips of wine. Okay. So I figured at this point we would all need a little bit of a palate cleanser because when I was doing my research, that's where I needed to pause to bitch cry. Uh, So here's a little history about Arlington Cemetery because it really is fascinating. Arlington Estate was created by George Washington's adopted grandson as a memorial to our first president. The grandson's daughter, Mary, married Robert E. Lee, who's most famous for commanding the Confederate Army in the American Civil War. For our Air National listeners, that was the South, who wanted to secede because they wanted to own slaves. So, not a huge fan of Mr. Lee, although I—I I, wasn't it after Suppose the war ended. Actually,
1: a pretty like.
0: I think Vincent it was guy? after the war ended. He's like, guys, we lost. We are a whole country now. Chill. Fucking get over yeah, it. He was, he was
1: like, once it was all done, he was very much like, okay, like if we're gonna be a nation, let's
0: let's be a this. nation. Yeah. Um. When the grandson died, Mary inherited the estate, and then when she died, her eldest son was to inherit the property. While Robert E. Lee was never, uh the owner of arlington estate he was the executor of the wills and lived there right, so he was a big until
1: his son took over probably
0: not quite okay. because uh when the american civil war broke out robbery e. lee pieced out to lead the confederate army mary remained on the property but as union forces grew closer she had to peace out too don't worry she had almost 200 slaves to help her pack so Jesus. she was fine uh, she wrote to one of her children about leaving, quote, I fear that this will be the scene of conflict and my beautiful home endeared by a thousand associations may become a field of a carnage. She wasn't wrong.
1: You're just in a different way.
0: Yeah. Well, a little bit of both. People totally died there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Union Army seized the property and built three forts on the land. And the property also became a miniature city for slaves who would flock to the capital after the Emancipation Proclamation. So they were all going to D.C. D.C. gets full. And so they start coming to Arlington Estate. And so small frame houses, schools, and even churches sprung up to accommodate the former slaves. And I think it was called, like, Freedman Town because they were really on the point with it. Uh, However, the land soon took on a darker purpose. uh, As the war raged on, the number of sick and dying skyrocketed and people were running out of places to put them. To accommodate the insane number of casualties, Arlington was chosen as a new burial site. The first soldier buried there was Private William Christman of the 67th Pennsylvania Infantry on May 13th, 1864, Before joining the military, he was a farmer who had never experienced combat, and he was 21 years old. That's sad. And that was, the anniversary of that was just a few days ago as of this recording. Like, Crazy. So there's a lot more to the history of Arlington Cemetery. It's actually really fascinating. Like, people used to not want to be buried there because it was a place where if you couldn't afford to bury someone on your own, right? they went there. And now Um, it's
1: like a huge place of honor.
0: Well, after, so JFK is buried there. He had a, a publicly televised funeral service and then demand for to be buried in Arlington Cemetery skyrocketed. And then they had to come up with a bunch of, like, Eligibility points, like okay, you can't be buried here unless you're this, that, and/or like, the other thing. I'm
1: pretty sure you have to be military. Well,
0: yes, absolutely. Um, I think if you were uh, a POW, if you were killed in combat, you can be eligible. There is there's a whole bunch of points. I didn't get super into it. No, that's fine.
1: That's there. It's not about.
0: But it blew my mind. I was like, I thought everyone wanted to be buried in Arlington. Like it's just such a historic and notable place, but used to just be where you were buried if you were poor and didn't have anywhere else to go. It's we'll have to download it for when we go to DC. That's what it says. It
1: says, for your visit, download the app. I'm oh like, my i my god! I suppose it's so huge yeah. that if you're looking for specific graves, that's probably the only way to do it. Oh,
0: absolutely. And the sections are broken up. Uh, the se- the way the sections are broken up tell the story because there's like the early sections. Uh, there are some stone, So we know the white stones. But there are some stones that are personalized because they used to allow for that. There's the part of the cemetery from when it was segregated by race. Yep. The, I mean, oh, God. And then there's the eternal flame. Uh, JFK's oh, I mean, they there. have the whole like Robert Kennedy, of the guard. Jackie Onassis. I think Robert E. Lee's house is there. Still there,
1: I think. Yeah, you're right. If
0: it's not, the ha- it's like a replica. But I remember going through the house. See, I've never been to interesting. DC. Oh, we have to go. So there's a lot more of the story, obviously, but let's just say the rest is history. So it is on this land that the Arlington ladies attend every funeral to ensure every service member is honored, remembered, and not alone. They sound amazing. I, that is so fucking cool. And it started because someone was just like, that's sad. I don't want that to ever happen again. And it doesn't now. Like, every funeral at Arlington Cemetery is attended by the Arlington ladies.
1: Every single one. I wonder
0: if they attend all the internments, too. Because it's a little bit different. I think But I would assume so. I I think, like, every service. Because the whole point is, like, whoever is ending up here in whatever capacity cannot be alone. Just so you know, if you're uh, military or ex-military and you want to be
1: buried at Arlington... That's really hard. But if you want to be interred at Arlington, if you're going to be cremated, that's a lot easier. Yeah. Because there's more space.
0: (laughs) So plan your funeral accordingly. (laughs) Just letting you know. Uh, But yeah, I, you know, uh, I didn't know if you were doing a story that was specific to Memorial Day, but I remembered it was Memorial Day because I have no concept of time anymore. And I... I stumbled upon At this least on you the Instagram. Were. I have no concept of <laughs> any
1: time because I've been furloughed for coming up on a month. And I'm oh just my like, "God, is it the weekend? Oh, shit. It's the week. You know, like.
0: I only I know if it's no day concept or, or night. Exactly. And that depends on what room I'm in. <laughs> Sure, we do
1: have blackout curtains in a few rooms.
0: But yeah, I saw this on a tour of her owns Instagram and I was like, oh, oh my God, this is perfect. Yeah, this came to me like to I
1: tell just, this story. They reached out through time and was like, you tell my
0: story. And it was really easy because they're still operating. Oh that's amazing. Yeah. All right, Kelly. So what are you thankful for? I hate this
1: segment. I know. Like, I'm glad we do it, but I don't know. Like, think- I just feel like I repeat myself
0: all the time. I'm thankful um, to see Kelly squirm as she tries to think of what she's thankful thanks. for. Oh, uh, what am I thankful for? While sitting across from her best friend, Yay. who she hasn't seen in forever. I mean, I'm thankful that we're together to- again.
1: <laughs> but we're cheers to that. Uh,.
0: I was gonna say I can go yeah you can go so uh like I mentioned it has been a bad week and uh I've really been struggling and have been really unhappy and I was today I was even thinking I was like I might just skip the thankfulness segment because I just feel so miserable but I've been doing this thing um because I can't go to the gym anymore and I'm trying to maintain my sanity uh where I've been doing 50 squats a day in like 25 You like a rock hard butt. Dude, my butt looks awesome. I've been ch- I was like, "Oh my god, is this my butt look squats. different?" But it's basically it's something that I can you do, do like every day. 25 Yeah, cuz I a while ago I tried to do like the 50 in a row and my knees got really fucked up, so now I split them up. Also, I think if I did 50 in a row, I would actually die. Um I'd go down and I would not come back up. But it's uh it's just something that I can do, I feel good about. I actually noticed these, like, little divots in, like, the front of my pelvis, kind of where my hips are. And I was nice. like, oh, my God, like, exercising oh, no. works.
1: I did that. I put my hands, like, on my,
0: like, upper hip. And I'm like, I can feel my hip bone. Right. It, it's it, it's weird because I understand, yo, know, you exercise, you do it regularly, it works. But then to actually see it work, it's like, oh, shit. I so, and then I... Butt. I've been trying to do a thing where I've been trying to do uh, 50 crunches every day and I'm just, and like, then I do like a couple or like 20 little arm lifts. Uh, But I've just been trying to do that and it makes me feel good and I'm thankful that I'm doing it and that's making me feel good. And sometimes it's just the littlest things that you need to cling to and that's okay. You still haven't thought of anything, have you? (laughs) I mean, I think we're both very thankful for all the individuals who have given their lives and lost their lives and the sacrifices that they've made for our country.
1: And I, I read something, I think it was actually either this morning or yesterday, but they were talking about like, you know, you don't you don't have to spend your whole day mourning on Memorial Day. You know, like if you want to... Obviously, this year this doesn't apply, but it was, you know, a general thing like, you know, if you want to go to the beach or have a picnic or anything like that's fine. But spend time, you know, spend five minutes and just remember the people that died so you can do those things. Exactly. You know, and I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. And I am thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the nice weather and being able to be outside because, yeah, like I'm getting just being stuck inside it was driving me insane. So like I went on a really long walk with I went on a socially distanced walk with a friend this week and that was really nice. And I guess that, that I guess that's what I'm thankful for is just being, you know, able to do little things like that now as, you know, things start to reopen and, you know interactions can happen.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And everyone please remember just stay smart, stay safe. Take the precautions that the CDC and medical professionals are giving you. Um, please don't try to drink any uh, bleach or alcohol. That's not wine or liquor. And even that is in moderation. Kelly and I actually just watched some videos about how that will wreck your insides and yeah, super bad. not help it's you with anything. <laughs> It'll help you get to the hospital real quick. All Which right. Which is not
1: something we need to be wasting
0: resources, resources on. on right now please it's, so I know there's like the uh is it the Hippocratic Oath yeah okay I'm like is, the is only it? reason I remember I couldn't that. remember if Hippocrat is like do you call someone a Hippocrat no Hippocrat. the only
1: reason I remember that is because like I think it's like the first or second episode of Grey's, Grey's Anatomy Meredith goes If I hadn't taken the Hippocratic Oath, I'd could in her with my bare hands.
0: See, and I'm just saying like I know medical and professionals And that line sticks in my head. They took the Hippocratic Oath and they have to help you, so but like- god, they like if you're going in because you drank bleach, they do not want to fucking deal with you. They are so busy.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, on that chipper, super sweet note, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHpod, Twitter at
1: wah_pod. We have a website, which is whiningaboutherstory.com. That's getting some revamps, but you should go check it out. Um, and we have an email. It's whiningabouthistory@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's to say their name or just checking in. You know, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. It really uh, helps us get found by other people.
0: Yes, and the right people who don't think that this is a serious discussion about history. Yeah. <laughs> also, fun. we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash whiningaboutherstory.com. Yes, whining about her story pod. Pretty sure nothing is just whining about her story. I keep meaning to look this up. This is my Twitter. <laughs> remember at the beginning, <laughs> you can never remember our Twitter handle. This is it was my Twitter.
1: So
0: bad. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, seriously, anything you can donate, you can donate for as little as one dollar a month. Keep the wine flowing. Everything that we make up off of our Patreon goes directly into the podcast. Yes, mainly into wine.
1: But we did get new mics a while ago.
0: But yeah. That that was not from Patreon, though. No. That was us. Because I was sick of Audacity being a little bitch. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to another episode. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.